0: Chronicles 28, David, King David in 1 Chronicles 28 summons, it says this in verse 1, the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem, the high ground, the officers of the tribes, the commanders and divisions in the service of the king. The commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of all property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the brave warriors. Tap your neighbor and say, that includes you. Tap your second choice on the other side and say, he's talking about you. King David is calling together an assembly of everyone represented in his kingdom, who carries the heart of Israel and the king and he's about to make a statement that will become the signature of everything the kingdom is about from David's time to Jesus' time and now our time. He says in verse two, King David rose to his feet and says, Listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. For the footstool of our God, I made plans to build it. David was setting in motion a value system, a principle, something so profound that I believe even I'm still understanding it, in that he had it in his heart to build a house to carry the presence of God. Now, we know that in the New Testament, we described as the temple of God, and so Jesus said he will build his church. David was a shadow of Jesus. Jesus is the substance. He's the true king. He's the true builder, and he's building the true house. That's you and I. And yet that same thread exists where a king would stand and say, we need to carry it in our hearts to build a house. And so every time we say yes to the Jesus story, we also say yes to the church story. Because Jesus' story is the church. That's you and I uh, understanding how God lives and breathes and flows through us. And so Heart for the House Sunday on the 30th of July, we celebrate 15 years as a church. And uh, yeah, you can give God some praise for that. And We're going to take a moment to take up an offering, as David would in his time for the house, we're going to take up an offering for the vision and the future that God has for us. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment and in the weeks to come. If you want to know more, by the way, on our website, you can just scroll down, linkchurch.com. There's a beautiful Heart for the House page. I give you permission, take time, go and read it. There's a story there, all these testimony videos are there, and then there's a booklet of what we're going to be sowing into in the seasons to come so that you know where your seed is going. And so it's going to be incredible. These next few weeks are going to be amazing. I promise you. Um, But I want to tell you a story of a guy named Chuck Feeney. Anyone ever heard that name before? Chuck Feeney. He was the man, uh, one of the partners, that set up Duty Free Retail. So you may not know him personally, but anyone interacted with his business, duty-free shopping? Anyone just purchased a bit of Chuck Feeney, brain power? Uh, Yes, you know you have. You know you've gone wild, spent more than you could, and uh, duty-free. And so Chuck Feeney started duty-free, became very wealthy very quickly. An amazing man. And in his early years decided he wanted to live his life for a greater cause. So get this. He started this catchphrase called giving while living. And his goal was to give away his entire wealth before the day he died. Like, if that doesn't make you go, oh, I don't know what will. But Chuck Feeney went on this journey to go, what if I gave everything I made while I was still alive? He set it in motion. And in the year 2020, Chuck Feeney, you'll never forget this name, achieved his goal. He gave away an excess of 8 billion dollars worth of accumulated wealth at the age of 89 he had zero to his name Chuck Feeney at this stage you should be clapping to appreciate the sheer generosity and in between his life I think the 60s was when he set up duty free and now He found many philanthropic opportunities. He's been involved in many amazing initiatives. He's the one who challenged Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, you may have heard a few years back, to give away 80% of their wealth in this lifetime. Uh, That was Chuck Feeney. There's something about this man, this character, uh, that really caught my attention as I was reading in the story of generosity. The title of my message, if you're taking down notes, is simply this Timeless Treasure. Timeless Treasure. I do about you, but treasure feels quite temporary for me. Like, now you got it, now you don't. But something about the Chuck Feeney story. Forget the numbers and the volume. Think about the spirit, the heart. Giving while living. We live to give. And for the next amount of years, he, he attempted to give away everything, and he pulled it off. He actually set in motion a life of giving While he's alive, he was famous for quoting this line, try it, I know you'll like it. And so Link Church, I I believe that today, God who is far greater than the story of Chuck Feeney, the church that carries a way bigger spirit of generosity than Chuck Feeney, I don't know if he was a man of faith, but I believe that the the body of Christ, what we carry should be this in excess. It should be the story of people that know that our lives count for so much more. I wanna talk today about what it means to live with timeless treasure timeless treasure one of the Forbes articles of Chuck Feeney actually wrote this the billionaire who wanted to die broke (laughs) like okay I want to give you let's 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 change your business slogan church today as you walked into church I, I I bound your brand and now we're going to reframe it and then we're going to release it again and this is what we're reframing it to your business born to die broke your family name, the generational name that you're building on, the legacy name, we're changing it to, I know you've just arrived and you're wondering why God brought you Link Church. It's to change your slogan and we're going to change it to this. Born to die. You should get an award for that. No one else wanted to partner with that thing. We want to die big and wealthy and rich and we want people to know we built stuff. We, we have this obsession With the way we perceived. Chuck Feeney, a name we've never heard, says try it. I think you'll like it. Forbes, born to die, broke. Now we know that God is never going to break his people. God is generationally blessing his people. But there's something in the spirit of this man that I'm asking you to give God permission to get into your spirit today. He lived like his treasure was timeless, which is to say he knew that what he held in his hands was far less powerful than what he carried in his heart, which was generational blessing. And so he lived with timeless treasure. And so I'm going to bounce between two portions of Scripture today. The story of David, the king, who I believe lived like it was timeless treasure, and then the story of the church in Macedonia in the New Testament, who I believe lived like it was timeless treasure, and by God's grace, he'll help us see that what we carry is timeless in its nature. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been on the receiving end of great generosity? Like, how did it make you feel? Like, how did it change you? Better question. Tess and I, if I can be honest, most of the incredible things that we've experienced in our lives have not been built by us, have not been earned by us. I'm saying this with great humility. I I mean this. This this church building wasn't our doing. It was a generous community that, that built it, that allows the stories of our daughters to tell amazing stories like that. That wasn't us. That was you. It was us as a church. And there was that. I mean, just recently, through online church, um, some friends phoned us and said, we really want to bless your family with some time out. We know you work hard and we don't know where you rest. And we just want to give you some rest in the Midlands. And they just gave us this beautiful farmhouse to go and rest in with our family in the Midlands. I mean, it's like we walked in on the story of the gospel. You will be in houses that you never built. And, 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 we, and the fireplace was crackling and the lawn was rolling and the hills were beautiful. And Tess and I just stood in that moment because we've had so many like it. And we find ourselves kind of going like, how did this happen to us? How does this keep happening to us? And you know what the problem is? It's not so much that we don't know what to do with that moment. We do. We enjoyed that whole 10 days. It's that it starts to change us to realize this is how we should be living our lives every time. That we should find ways to to live with a timeless pursuit of the treasure that's been entrusted to us. That family entrusting treasure to a couple they've never met Just online saying, go and enjoy your time. And I I wonder if you've had stories like this. I remember there was another story in our church um, in 2015. I love these stories, they're part of what made us who we are today. And in 2015, a man came to me. He had just um, taken some funding out of the UK, which I celebrate anyway because shout out UK. I like it when the money comes this way. Anyway, that's different. he had, he had just moved back to South Africa and really felt God was putting his roots down here and his family's roots down here. And he phoned me the one day and he said, Dill, I've got something quite vulnerable to chat to you about. Have you got a moment? And I met him in Wonderland, had no idea what he was about to say. He said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm dropping down, drawing down on an investment in pounds and I want to tithe on it. And it's a substantial amount of money. And I've never done this before, Dill. I'm new to faith. And I think about that. I've never done this before. I'm new to faith. Like he had just, something had happened in his life at Link Church. He was with us in the lychee Orchard and uh, he moved with us into this facility and just said, I want to be a part of whatever's next. And uh, so I gave him the bank details in that week. And don't, don't be wild by it. It doesn't matter the amount, but I just tell the story to understand what it meant for us. That week he put a million rand at about into our bank account as a church. Now what you need to know is that we had zero in our bank account. <laughs> That's the part that you really need to hear about. We had 52,000 rand, I think it was, in our bank account. It was about to be payday. We've never not paid a paycheck. Praise Jesus, he's been good to our staff. But in that moment, we weren't sure we were going to have a payday. So he deposits the million rand, and we meet as a team, and they say, this is incredible. Everyone's just overjoyed, and it's amazing. We can breathe, and I say, this is not for us. This is not for the salaries. God will do that a different way. This is for us to trust God with money that shouldn't be ours. It should just come through us and go to the next thing. And you know what we did that time? We invested that same amount of money. Like, just, I want you to picture the line item. Come on, accountants, numbers, people, all right? Positive, 52,000 Rand, okay? Accrued amounts, coming salaries, 350, whatever thousand Rand, okay? Deficit, do the maths. A million rand comes in. This looks great. Let's give it away, put ourselves back in the deficit and see what happens. So we invested in just short of a million rands worth of online studio gear. Now, if at this point you think we're crazy, no problem, other churches, great churches in this area, but we invested in this online opportunity, and uh, we bought cameras, and we bought a studio desk, and we bought equipment that could send the message into the cloud, and it was amazing, that weekend, and for the next three years, we had two people join us online every weekend, it was epic, we are changing the world, two people, I'm not even sure if they were outside of the church, I think they were probably sitting in the room on Facebook just encouraging us. I had buyer's remorse, like you know what I mean, like yes I'm a man, and live by faith, I hope I do, and I hope you do too, but let's be honest, sometimes you like step out in faith, and you trust God, and you're like, I don't know if I should have done that, I got buyer's remorse, and you know, um, it took a few years before we had any idea that that seed would produce anything. I told that guy, I said, you know the money you donated, we put it straight into online space. I don't care where you put it, as long as it's in your hands, not mine. That, that was scary too. And in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, God knew that there needed to be an online church story. And the seeds that were put in the ground in 2015 started to sprout. And we had about 30 people following us on YouTube, watching our services frequently in 2020. As I speak today, we have over 13,500 people that subscribe to our YouTube channel, that tap into our services weekly. And even as I'm speaking, and I could be off by numbers, there's 100 plus people online somewhere in the world enjoying Link Church as home. The seed of that man, and there have been many stories, I could tell you, and I will. Keep coming the next few weeks, I'll tell you some other cool stories. But the seed, he had no idea. We had no idea. And yet we had it in our hearts to build a house, and God showed us that day the house would look online. And you know there are people in the world today that call Link home that aren't in this room? That's exciting. That means the church is bigger than you and I. That means that our faithfulness and our generosity and what we bring is bigger than us. It means there's stories of people's lives being transformed by this house, this church, through faithful seeds. And so we want to be a church that in this moment decides to do what we did in 2015 with the next thing. And you can go and read about it online. I want to give you three thoughts today of what it means to live as a people with timeless treasure. The first is this, you've got to see it like a seed you got to see it as a seed. you got to write that down, church, because you and I have been trained to see it as rand and cents. Rands and cents, debits and credits, bank balances. We've been taught to see it as cents. God calls it a seed, and it's different. And when you see it as a seed, when it, when it leaves your hands, it doesn't feel like you lost something. It feels like you leveraged something. I want to come speak to you like I'm part of you because I think you're thinking, pastor teaching us to give generously. I wonder how he feels on like a random morning. make some space. I can sit next to you young guns. All right. I know you guys don't have lots of money now. Don't worry, it's coming. I promise you. Your parents are going to bless you. People are going to look after you. Just serve Jesus and he'll do things you never imagined. But you know what the crazy, crazy thing is? You get taught your whole life, like raise, like build money, uh, build the rands, build the, build the bank balance, build the rands and cents. No one ever teaches you to see the seed. Which means when you got one rand, you got seed. It means when you got a million rand, you got seed. But if I see it as a seed, it doesn't matter how big the balance, it just matters what it's worth. It's worth the faith that I have in my heart to do something significant with it for the glory of God. If you start tithing as young people, you will see greater things than people that never do because God will take that seed and He'll multiply it into a forest and the forest will multiply. And I'll be honest, like I'm 40 now. The days I have less than you, bro. Why are you laughing, church? Jesus said, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and the next part, where thieves break in and steal." Like, have you ever felt like on Friday you worked really hard, and Monday someone stole it? You know what I mean. Like church, there's no holy cloud that floats above the reality of life. Just a faithful God that joins us in the reality of life. You know what I'm saying? And so you can't float above it thinking, man, this money tree up here on the cloud. I want in on that story. No, you've got to realize there's no money tree. There's just a faithful father that wants to bless his children. And the way he does it is to show us that what we have is seed. In Genesis 26, if you want a practical example of this, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Isaac, a patriarch of our faith, moves into a place called Girah. We get told it's in a a time of famine. And Isaac says in Girah, Genesis 26, go and read one of the most beautiful pictures and best strategies to get yourself out of a famine. He sows his seed. And it says, and in that year he reaped a hundredfold in a year of famine he sows the bible doesn't say he takes his ransins and cents and puts it to work it says he sows seed it costs rans and cents but he sees it as a seed and one of the things that's going to set the church free is to see the rans and cents that we have as seeds that he's given because when you see it as a seed the potential is infinite Or rans and cents right now if you know Shout out if you're in the UK and you live by pounds. In America, you live by dollars. We're really brave and courageous here in South Africa. We live by rants. And it's not as strong as your currency, but we are stronger than you. And so we're going to keep going. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just prophesying over our church, if you're listening. The secret, friends, to live with timeless treasure is to see all of it as seed. Our children are young barely understand anything about money they're growing in it but they know that it's the seed and every month they give seed to this house because I keep telling them that one day you'll live under the trees of the seed that you started somewhere else in the world because God is good like that and you'll look back and say I'm grateful that I sowed seed because it showed up in my future you see God works with seed friends and it produces a future it's called generational legacy. The second thing is, with God, and please write this down, if nothing else, with God, nothing is enough. Not like nothing you do for Him will ever be enough. That couldn't be further from the truth if you tried. Anything you do for God is pleasing to Him. Nothing is enough is in, you got nothing, and it's more than enough. Like, think about that. If I see it as a seed then the little I have feels like nothing to me. Ah, little, like how's things going? How's the business going? It's been a rough season. I mean, honestly, church, let's just get honest. If you live in this part of the world, it hasn't been an easy run. Like I, I, would, I would hate to show up and go, it should be awesome. And there's someone in the room feeling like they're dying. A lot of us are feeling that way. A lot of us have had to dig deep and find ourselves and trust God and get friendship and look for wisdom and recalibrate and re-strategize and knock on new doors. Like, laugh, right? And yet, when we look at it, we go, there's nothing left. And God goes, nothing is enough for me. Nothing is enough for me. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. An offering is taken up in the New Testament. This has been happening for years to see God's word move into places it's never been. And it says in 2 Corinthians 8, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I gotta read that again. I just I gotta read that again. The grace God had given the Macedonian church, you could put link church in here, because there have been seasons where it's felt like we've had nothing, and we've given God everything, and He's done something with it. So out of the extreme or severe trial, overflowing joy, and extreme poverty, extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. I'll talk about that in just a moment. And then to us in keeping with God's will. Write this down if you haven't yet. Nothing is enough. Out of their pain and extreme poverty, they gave. It it, it welled up in rich generosity. They knew, what I believe we should catch today, that what felt like nothing is still enough for him. God can take your nothing and multiply it into something. When you protect your nothing, it remains in your control. When you give your nothing, and it never is exactly nothing, it could even just be around. But when you give your nothing into him, nothing is enough. It welled up in extreme generosity. Friends, this story funded the gospel in the New Testament for years to come. And it came from extreme poverty. I was reading a little bit this week actually about different mindsets, uh, scarcity mindsets and abundance mindsets. And uh, I'm intrigued by this because I think I live in both worlds. I don't think I always live in one. I think, I, drift, I think humanity drifts towards scarcity. That's where the devil wants us to live and make us feel like we've got nothing. And the scarcity mindset, there's nothing wrong with us, nothing wrong with you if you ever have that mindset, but scarcity focuses on what's lacking. That's the simplicity of a scarcity mindset. Do you know poor is an economic term? Poverty is a spiritual term. So poor is economic. Poverty is actually spiritual, the way we see it. And so we can actually live with a poverty mindset when we're doing well economically. And so scarcity lives with only ever talking about what we lack. And like I said, I go there from time to time. And now and again, Tess and I will have this moment where we say, we are living like we lack everything. We are are making decisions like we have nothing. We are are talking about life like we don't have anything. Anyone ever been in that little cycle where it's like, oh, we just can't. It's never going to work out. It's never going to end. The kids are like mom and dad. That's all they ever talk about. Like we've had moments in our home and we'll hold each other's hands. This is just me being honest with you. And we'll realize we are living in the wrong mindset here. Nothing needs to change practically. We need a change in the spirit. We need to move from scarcity to abundance, which is to say we have the same amount. We just don't see it as lack. We see it as what we have. And so we'll hold our hands and say, God, we're sorry that we've called this season of our lives lack. Like you haven't blessed us abundantly, God. Like you haven't enriched our lives through friends and family and random moments and meals and clothes and schools and this incredible church and the coffee that I drank when I came in and I was a volunteer and the church just blessed me with a coffee you don't lack. You have. And so nothing is enough. Yeah, you give God some praise for that because He's good. The scarcity mindset, which is not what we see in the Macedonian church, lives with what we lack, operates from a place of fear. And maybe some of you just needed to come today to be unlocked. Maybe it's got nothing to do with Heart for the House, July the 30th. You're visiting Link, you're online, you're just checking it out, and God needed to tell you that you do not lack. You have. You have something to work with. You have seed in your hand, and that seed in His hands has the potential to shape the future of generations. What an amazing story, the church in Macedonia. Can you imagine them going, please, Paul, can we take up an offering? Please, Paul. And Paul's going, looking at you guys, looking at the state of things, looking at the, you know, why don't we just skip it today? Like, this one's on me. And they're like, we don't want to miss the opportunity to pave a way for what God is still going to do in you. And the Macedonian church said, Paul, Paul, give us the bucket. We should start a campaign. Give us the bucket. We just lost a few people in church. (laughs) They just left. This church, bring out the buckets. I'm going somewhere else. I promise you, you activate a life of faith, sowing seeds into the local house. You will not know what to do with the abundance. God opens over your life. And Pons, I just love you loud, amen. You just never stop saying that. And so first up, to live life, knowing that what we have as treasure is timeless. Not temporary. See, Temporary treasure sees it as rands and cents. Timeless, seeds. Temporary treasure sees it all about scarcity. Like, I have nothing. But timeless treasure sees it like nothing is enough. And maybe today God is just trying to remind you how to live your life for Him. And I want to encourage you, maybe you've just walked into this room, maybe this faith story is a new one. It was for the guy that gave that moment to us to put online, and when I told him what we did, he said, hey, it's no longer in my hands, it's in yours. He knew that his seed was better in the hands of the house than in his own. God has gone on, you should know the story, maybe even know who I'm talking about, to bless that man's life abundantly. All right, number three, timeless treasure. Number three, it's about willing worship when it comes to finance. Willing worship. Financial giving is actually worship. And so we we limit it to that thing that we never want to talk about and never want to do, but it's most precious to us, which means you're worshiping it anyway. It's just in the wrong hands. Like, Worship is what we give our hearts to. It's what we give our value to, which is why Jesus, when he says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, he flips the equation. For therein moth and rust don't destroy and thieves can't steal. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so Jesus is talking about timeless treasure. He's talking about the way we worship him in our treasure, storing up a future. And I don't know if Chuck Feeney was a believer, but I believe what he was doing is he was storing up for himself treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves can't steal. But in some way, he was worshiping. He was putting the emphasis on somebody else's story instead of his own. And I love that. You know, this is why when I walk into church, worship at Link, I love it. Our team, our team, sometimes they do wild things and they take me further than I'm comfortable with. Anyone else ever feel like they're a bit louder than I'm happy to be right now. And they're going a bit further than I'm happy to be right now. But I'm grateful because my worship is limited to my understanding of what God is calling me to. And I'm okay in this space, God. So I'm going to hang in this space. And God goes, why would you want to stay where you are? I'm taking you from glory to glory to glory. And so a church that's maturing in their worship is also coming alive in their express a song. And so when I come into church if, they, if they're dancing and jumping and their hands are up, that's not because someone trained me by manual that that's what good Christians do. that's because it's ex- expressing my worship. It's extending my comfort zone. Like maybe this is helping somebody. Give it a go. Is it? Sorry, step out the aisle, I need, I need to get over here. This church is singing something that I want to partner with and I'm not okay to go home having walked into church and sing a nice casual little song just hoping God saw my singing. You're not auditioning. You're owning the authority of His Word an audition how did i do today i sang a little bit louder i raised my little hand I, i stepped a little further you know what all those things well done like i think at some level everyone's proud of you but what i'm actually trying to encourage you to do is get over you is to actually get over yourself is to actually realize it's not about what you do for god and everything about thanking what he did for you and so when i worship my hands are up because i'm grateful for the god that changed my life that set me free that broke the addictions that held me back true story. I got saved on Sunday. I think it was the 19th. I said 20th last year. I went back and looked 19th. Missed it by day. I remember going home. I I used to smoke cigarettes at the time. And uh, I know. Like everyone. Like, oh, this church. Honestly, heathens. I can't believe it. And I remember going home and having this conversation with God. This is a true story, Gibbs. You were in Stellenbosch as well. All the students smoked in Stellar Watch, not you, bro, you were a good student, but I remember I went home and I'm like, God, I've given you my life, but I got this one thing that I need you to take from me. I can't give it to you. I said, I'll make you a deal, God. Yeah? Pastor got moves. I said, I want to smoke this week. I'm going to enjoy it. On Sunday morning, when I raised my hands, you take away the glass. True story, that Sunday morning, I raised my hands, tears burst from my eyes, as God just removed an addiction from my life. He set me free in a moment. And so I don't raise my hands because I'm a pastor. I raise my hands because I'm a son. My dad in heaven sent his spirit to do a work in my life that I could never do myself by the blood of Jesus paid for at Calvary. And he used that to remove everything that stopped me from enjoying the fullness of who he was to me. And so I expressed God with my love for God, with my worship, and I jump on the devil in song, not because I have to, but because I get to. And guess what? When I give, I'm doing the same thing. This is not my money. This is not my story. And I'm not going to let it grip my heart. I'm going to give to the God that so freely gave to me. It's willing worship. How does giving work here at Link Church? Simple. We invite our church to be worshipers of Jesus and giving starts to flow. We invite our church to let go of their world and give Him their lives. And worship starts to flow. Giving is part of our worship. I want to read something to you in the story of David. I'll tell you a short version of it next couple of weeks we'll talk some more how's that sound church David takes up an offering for the temple David's not going to build the temple Solomon is David knows that he's giving everything that he's earned in his life for a story that he won't see David was a type of Jesus he would give up his life so we could have ours and it says, David takes up an offering, and he brings all these beautiful treasures, and he calls people, and the people, once David starts, people just start coming. And that's the thing about generosity, it's catchy. And When you get behind what God is building, people want to be a part of what you're building. And then David says, he has this moment, and the money comes, and they've got everything they need to build this temple, and I believe in this moment, David must have, I don't know, found a quiet space, and in verse 14 of 1 Chronicles 29, he says, but who am I, Lord? And who are these people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight. And we are all, as we're all our forefathers, our days on earth are like a shadow without hope, O oh Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for the building of your church, your temple, your holy name. It comes from your hand and it belongs to you. And then David prays these prayers. He says, all of this I've given willingly with an honest heart. And he says, "O Lord, God of our father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever. And keep their hearts loyal to you loyal to the story that is forever told. As we build for Heart for the House Sunday, Tess and I as a family, we haven't done this for 10 years since we did this building project, called for an offering that is special, unique, and set aside for the vision of this house. Tess and I are praying as a family and already we know what God, specifically what God has called us as a family. It is not me inviting you to do something that I'm not part of. What God has called us to as a family bring as our worship and our seed and our nothing to this story so that God will build His church in the future. And all I would ask as your pastor and as a friend is that you would ask God the same. That you would find yourself in a moment, and maybe we can do it now as we close, but even when you go home tonight, chat to your wives, chat to your friends, ask God, ask your Heavenly Father, what do you want me to bring to this moment? What does it look like for our family to believe in this future? And that Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to have an activation moment. It's not going to be a financial activation. That's going to happen before and after. There'll be a little bit, but it's not about that. We're going to bring words on cars and we're going to put them in an activation moment. We're going to say, God, this is actually what we're trusting for with our seed. And as a church, we are gonna believe that we will see things, like in 2015, we saw God do what we could never have imagined, that we will see God do things that we could never have imagined in that space. Amen? Stand with me this morning, let's pray. Hey, I feel like we're gonna worship today. And there's someone in this room today, maybe a few, that need to give away God their addiction, give God their addiction. That wasn't even part of what I needed to say, but it's what you needed to hear. That today as you stretch your hands up and you willingly give away what you so desperately need, God gonna heal you. Yeah, I can, I can see hands already up, God. People believing for it. Come on, let's close our eyes. Let's raise our, let's believe that God is gonna, God, I thank you that right now, that your presence is moving, you're building your church you're taking away from people what they can't give away in their own strength I thank you Holy Spirit That so gently so gently you just take from your people what has burdened them for so long Holy Spirit I thank you that you fill the spaces of their hearts and lives that have been filled by things other than you, God. I just thank you right now that you would take over their hearts, that you would overwhelm even their hearts and that you would remove from them the thing that they so desperately want to have. I pray against addiction in this house today. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the breaker of addiction. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the breaker of chains. I thank you, Jesus, that you take away oppression. I thank you, Jesus, that right now as we start to raise our voices as a community, that people's lives, chains are coming off in this place. In Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' mighty name. You're being set free. You won't be the same next week as you are today. Come on, let's just begin to worship this name in your own voice. Just begin to lift up this name, Jesus. We just say, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Jesus, move. Jesus, do. Jesus, change. Jesus, do. Jesus, the banner over this house. Jesus, begin to sing the name of Jesus in this place. Come on, let's worship Him, church.